It's time for a Shway Media Podcast. What is going on, Schweg Nation? Welcome to this episode of the Schwegcast. Um, it's not just a podcast. It has my name in the title of it, which makes it a Schwegcast. That's the difference between a regular podcast and a Schwegcast. Well, thank you so much for listening. My name is Sam Schwegler, or as some people in college called me, Schweg or Schwegler, or as people call me now, Schweezy. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Schwegcast. Uh, it is really great honor to have you listening in on the show today. And for all the things that really, really, really uh, get you turned on, like the sound of my voice and the sound of me, of my voice talking to other people's voices. So thank you so much for listening. Uh, thank you so much for all the support you give. If you do like this show a lot, make sure you subscribe, hit that mother effing subscribe button. And, uh, also make sure you like, I think you need to smash the like button as well. And also if you're into a leave a review on wherever you listen to podcasts too, really helps the show out, really helps get the attention of the gods of iTunes and really helps them get everything that we need to do in order to make this show great. So we can have some more shwaycast and chill so we can get this show to be as cool as possible and help that's the best way you can support the show and so today on the show i have jackson a jackson is a really cool dude we're both midwest boys in a sense and we also really hit it off we really got into a good conversation uh we talk a lot about bob dylan because i'm always curious because i know i like bob dylan a lot i think he's a really great contract He's a really great uh, contributor to the world of songwriting, and everything he does is, you know, it's phenomenal, and he still has a, great, a lot of great things to say. One of my favorite things about Bob Dylan is that he made a point that he was never going to sell out unless it's for underwear. That was his joke, and then he did an ad for Victoria's Secret, and people got really mad about it, but, like, he said a long time ago that, like, yeah, if I'm going to sell out, I'm going to do that, and, and so he didn't really sell out. He just did a commercial for Victoria's Secret, which, I mean, I don't, I don't blame him. I do, a, I do one of those commercials. I think it's kind of fun, and, I mean, it's not like a bad product or anything. Like, they make quality stuff. I don't blame him at all, but uh, Jackson's really cool. We talk about he has a Martin, so he brought that in, and he wanted to do a live performance, so we got to do that halfway through. We're going to listen to his song, Wild flower and it's a really great song um i really liked it It was really fun what like recording him in the studio performing that um so hopefully you like my recording skills enough of just one condenser mic and having him play to that but you know we get into some other things too like i think we talk about billy joel and you know billy joel said in a moment that uh, remember my dad was telling me this and I think I remember seeing it too. Someone asked him why Billy Joel hasn't released an album in so many years. And he said, cause I said everything I need to say. And we talk about how that's a good thing. And I think it's an actual good thing and not just kind of making an album cause you have to, or that you feel like you need the money to do it. You just, you know, stop when you feel like you've said everything you need to say. That's awesome. But yeah, me and Jackson really hit it off. And he asked me, he's like, Hey, do you play piano? And I was like, yeah, I mean, I passed, you know, I, I, decent amount i've been working really hard on this new this new album i'm working on is a lot very keyboard based so um he asked me to play a show with him so well i'll be playing at kimbrose with him in franklin tennessee this thursday so tomorrow the day after i release this episode to the public so if you're in the franklin area come on down say hi to me i'll be i'll be playing piano the tallest guy with the tallest hair playing the piano so if you're trying to 
uh, figure out who I am and haven't ever seen me before in public, that's who I will be. So that'll be a lot of fun. So come check that out if you're in the area, want some drinks and have some fun. So let's get to the sponsors of today's episode. Um, The first sponsor is Lyft. The free Lyft app gets user ride in minutes on demand for less than the cost of a cab. Whether it's for a fun night out at the bars or to avoid paying for parking at the next concert you go to, Lyft has you covered. You can use promo code SHWEGCAST when signing up and you get a $15 ride credit towards your first ride. And so use promo code SHWEGCAST as well. I've actually um, decided that I wanna do just, you know, a little bit of driving with Lyft. You know, just, you know, when I have some free time and I'm, you know, I'm not doing anything and I'm kind of in a little bit of rider's block, I'm like, hey, why don't I just drive for Lyft? You know, I can make a little extra money. I can listen to some music quietly in the front seat and just, you know, drive drunk people around is a lot of fun. Nashville has a lot of drunk people. So, it's a great opportunity and it's just easy way to make money. And so you can even sign up to be a driver. And by far right now, I mean, I'm not doing it all the time, but you know, it's great. It's a great way to make just a little bit extra money to help me with um, some album expenses that I'm working on. And so, you know, it's great. And you can also use promo code Schwedcast when, when, uh, as your referral code. And I believe you get a $500 sign on bonus when you do that. And so, Hey, that's extra money, more money to you, more power to the people, and it's just more fun. It's just a great way to make a little bit extra money. So Lyft, Lyft is a great company, and it's a great even company to drive for, to be honest with you. And so go check out Lyft, and you can use that promo code SWEGCAST and get that information on your way. And I'm also happy to talk about another sponsor for the show that is brought to you by Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning community with thousands of classes in design, business, tech, and more. Anyone can join with millions of other people to learn cutting-edge skills, network with peers, and discover new opportunities. Skillshare has simple a simple purpose to give you the skills and expertise needed to succeed and, you know, Anything I really want to learn as far as like social media management, um, I want to get into a little bit of graphic design. And so, you know, they have classes on that. Um, I want to, if I want to, you know, uh, catch up or, uh, you know, test my knowledge on some music theory, I can also go on to Skillshare as well. And they even help me, you know, just jog my memory to learn some of that. I'm working on my piano skills and they even have music lessons as well, which is phenomenal. But if you can use our link in the description of this episode, it's kind of hard to say out loud. And so I'm, I don't expect anyone to remember that. So the link in the description of this episode, you can get your first three months of Skillshare for only 99 cents, which is a phenomenal deal for really phenomenal classes for three months, 99 cents for three months. That's not 99 cents a month. That is 99 cents for three months total. And it's definitely something you want to take advantage of. And I've taken advantage of it myself, and I absolutely love it. So go check out Skillshare immediately. And also, so I'll stop rambling on at the moment uh, so you can get to this interview with Jackson Aid. It's funny, uh, just remember that we are playing together at Kimbro's on Thursday, Thursday, uh, the exact date I will get for you. That will be this Thursday, May 31st at Kimbrough's in Franklin, Tennessee. So go check that out and go have a lot of fun. And in the meantime, everyone stay awesome and don't touch that dial.
15. Nice. Yeah, I mean, that thing looks stunning. Yeah. <laughs> it looks stunning. Um, costs a lot, I assume? Um, 0015. Okay, so that straight out of the box type thing, that thing's running you about 1500 if you kind of search around and, you know, Amazon okay. it, maybe something used, you can find mm-hmm. a nice little deal there. Uh, that one came without the pickup, so I threw a $300 pickup inside of it mm-hmm. and went from there, you know? Yeah. I got a baby tailor right there, and I wanted to put a pickup in it, but I was glad it didn't come with one because, like, Taylor puts the worst pickups in their guitars. Of course they do. They just, yeah. just stock. That's why I feel like – that's where I get really picky with acoustic guitars because uh, they just – sometimes they just put the worst pickups in right. those. Is like, oh, it's so annoying. Um, my other acoustic, it's just a Fender. Fender knows how to put pickups in guitars, obviously. I mean, they obviously have – Right. Because they're more of an electric guitar brand, but exactly. they put, like, a Fishman – in that one, and like a built-in tuner, it was—it's just that pickup is just great. Yeah, and I got a, I got an Alvarez, like an Alvarez parlor guitar. Okay, yeah. And I got a Fishman in it, and it for it being a parlor guitar, I've I've played it in front of people on stages, and it mm-hmm. it, it fills the room. It's amazing, yeah. and it, it's just see even that even this double O right here, it's kind of has the parlor body, and I've actually started playing this out playing out with this thing a lot recently mm-hmm. um it's basically my, my go-to now mm-hmm. um i just need a little bit more oomph on stage i guess you should mm-hmm. say oh yeah you know well then like you get people who like the musicians in the audience they get really jealous because they see like a martin right <laughs> yeah, that's that's the main purpose like half uh, some of the name brands are just like bragging rights Right, right, right. I mean, I I bought that thing for my birthday. It was kind of more of a gift to myself. Mm-hmm. I necessarily really didn't. Uh, it's the right way to say it. I did. I didn't really propose in my head that I was going to be putting it in, in front of people for any other other sort of reason. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the rosewood itself, like, and all the double fifteens come with that. So it just stuck out to me. And mm-hmm. then again. How another thing is Bob Dylan played it on like his Nashville Skyline yeah record mm-hmm. and I'm a huge Bob Dylan guy yeah. so um, it, you know there's a few things there why I got it you know why I mm-hmm. kind of lean towards that versus um, I'm trying to think what other Martins I was looking at at the time I'm I'm not a big Taylor guy mm-hmm. um, Fender for acoustics not so much mm-hmm. when it comes down to acoustics I'm Martin um, and I actually own like three other Alvarez acoustic mm-hmm. guitars. Alvarez is, I like Alvarez a lot. Really good for like folk style music. <laughs> yes, exactly. Kinda. Exactly. It's like one thing I love. Um, I wasn't too big into Taylor for a while because of the pickup situation. Right, right. But then I learned there's some things about Taylor I really like. So like Taylor will be like, Taylor will just tell you exactly what you need to put on your guitar. Just like, here's what size strings you need to put on this guitar. Right. Here's how high the neck should be. And they have bolt-on necks, which I I really like. Right on. Yeah. About, which I like. I'm more of an electric player, so. Yes. Okay. Yeah, so. I'm, I'm uh, what's the right way to say it? I toil in the electric guitar. Mm-hmm. But my bread and butter is just the acoustic stuff. Yeah. I don't know why. I mean, even... Even this past project that I did, um, I still hung on to the acoustic mm-hmm. with it within the sessions. You know, 
I think it's it's just super easy because it's kind of like, especially if you're just like the singer songwriter. Yeah. It's super easy because you can just do it by itself and it's and it works. And then you could do it with like a full band and it also works. Absolutely. And I think that's the big uh, deciding factor on the acoustic. That, that, that point right there is exactly um, why I'm like a hold steady on the acoustic guitars. Mm-hmm. Even when I play out at the immediate moment, I'm still doing just acoustic gigs. It's okay. just like me and acoustic guitar and a harmonica. Okay. Um, you know, every once in a while I'll have someone sitting in and stuff like that, but it's just nothing you know, on a regular. And I like doing the acoustic stuff because I th- I feel that it's more intimate. I've been on bills with full bands, and I've almost felt like people have tapped into me mm-hmm. more. Yeah. In the sense of, like, people get on stage and go bang, 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 mm-hmm. bang, 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 yeah. bang, bang, loud in your face. And, you know... When you're in a, let's say the basement, for example. When, yeah. you, when you're in the in basement and, uh, you know, West End over there, uh, you know, you can get a band up there and it can be very loud in there. Yeah. And then you can kind of, you know, be like, I'm next. They've had three full bands. Yeah. I'm going to go up there and I'm going to calm the mood down. And it's nice because you can actually feel that people are tapping into, mm-hmm. you know, the the age-old saying of, like, you can just feel the eyes on you. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes that's a good feeling when you're kind of in a situation like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm, like I said, I'm back to the original point. I'm just a hold steady on the Q's guitar. I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, I love it for that reason. Um, plus, I write all my songs on Q's guitar, piano, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The- I don't really necessarily, uh, you know, build a song without mm-hmm. the song. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I mm-hmm. mean... We kind of live in an, in an age of, of music to where sometimes songs are presented to people or people build build the track before they even know where it's going, mm-hmm. right? They, they, they have a hook there, they have a melody line, and then they start putting the puzzle pieces together. Mm-hmm. I like to start small, just with mm-hmm. one puzzle piece that's just me sitting alone with the acoustic guitar trying to flush mm-hmm. out the idea. Yeah. I know a lot of people have been starting out because, you know, these, oh, especially these more pop music yes. in a sense, they start out with very, the idea, the big idea that's going on in pop music right now is super dance music, but at the same time, it's kind of really sad and you can cry to it. Yeah. So, so a lot of times it does start like the simple acoustic guitar, piano, and then some producer comes in and just like, let's make it a banger right. and go for it. Exactly. And that's that's exactly where you're going to get those types of songs. Mm-hmm. Um, what's that last song that I really enjoyed and I read a whole piece on it in the New York Times? Mm-hmm. Um, the middle, I think, um, Marin Morris. Oh, and Zed. I love that song. And they had a whole piece on it mm-hmm. in the New York Times, and I want to say there was like eight people on that track, but it went from a songwriter, some girl just dot 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 mm-hmm. dot 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 on the piano, and then voice memos, of course, because that's the world we live in. Uh, back and forth, emails back and forth, back and forth, producers mm-hmm. bringing other people in, and I think they went through like sixteen uh, female vocalists. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they all had a stab at it, but I think they, the producer, I think Zed actually might have been making this. It was two brothers and Zed, 
And those, at the end of it, it was two brothers, and I can't remember their names, and it was Zed, and then they found Marin Morris, and mm-hmm. her voice was it, simply because of the kind of country roots yeah. thing. Which threw off the track completely yeah, with, her, with, first. with her vocals, right? Mm-hmm. You would expect to hear this, um, you know, a Brianna or Ariana Grande over it. Mm-hmm. Um, you had, I think the track became a lot more authentic in the mm-hmm. sense with Marin on it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I'm probably, mm-hmm. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing her name. Yeah, proper. it's Marin Morris. Cool. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that that track felt very authentic. And it's cool because I saw her do an acoustic thing of it on I think her Instagram. Yeah. Um and that's what that's you know, talking acoustic guitars, of course, back to the original point of like how I feel getting mm-hmm. on stage and being being able to kind of tap into people, so, yeah. so to speak. Um you know, a big thing for me being on stage and, you know, this having this project out it's kind of very bombastic in a sense yeah um i still needed the songs to resonate on acoustic guitar yeah um and then it's nice to see marin being able mm-hmm. to do something like that and be like look at this is how easy it it, it is mm-hmm. right because when you listen to a track and if you're not like you know know anything about production or audio engineering mm-hmm. or sampling or even cutting up a, a track or yeah. mixing, whatever it may be. Um, a lot of people might just overlook everything that's going on within the track. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And just how complex it is. Yeah. How many tracks are stacked on each other. Mm-hmm. Um, the vo- uh, You know, the background vocals, whatever it may be. Um and when you see it on an acoustic thing, you're like, okay, I I, I get that. That that's that's mm-hmm. nice, you know. And maybe it changes the the color of the song a little bit, which I think it does. You know, you listen to her sing that, and it almost sounds somber. And when when you listen to the complete full uh, project, it's kind of a little bit more up, uplifting. Yeah, and I think that's you know, exactly kind of like the direction they were aiming for, mm-hmm. you know. But at the same time, I think, you know, songs need to be able to to resonate on a piano or acoustic guitar, whether mm-hmm. it be in your bedroom or put it in front of people. Mm-hmm. You can do whatever you want to a track. You can put it seven layers of drums on it if you want to and have that on your CD. But at the end of the day, I think a song needs to kind of stand up on its yeah. on its own six strings or mm-hmm. sixty one keys. Yeah, you know, alone being able to sing it, you and the instrument, you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, man. I mean, goose guitar. I was gonna bring the Elvis tonight, but I didn't. I just brought the Martin. It's all good. I mean, I'm I'm cool to see the Martin. Um, you were talking about Bob Dylan, so you are a huge Bob Dylan fan. Yeah, um, you know. I love Bob Dylan. I mean, mm-hmm. he's kind of what's the right way to say it is, you know, as an artist, um, and I'm sure you can agree with me on this, mm-hmm. hopefully, but we kind of, you know, when you first pick up the guitar or you sit down and do piano lessons and you kind of get to a point where like, Hey, uh, I'm not too bad at this, you know. Mm-hmm. I can kind of maybe I'll try to write a song. Mm-hmm. Well, you have to start 
kind of people just don't wake up and write songs. Mm-hmm. You know, you kind of have to understand how songs are written uh, and stuff like that. Bob Dylan was a, a point in my life, not necessarily where I didn't understand how to construct a song. I just needed to figure out what I wanted to say within the songs mm-hmm. and how to say it. But Bob Dylan was a main reason to why I started writing songs. I mean, yeah. the the means to me writing this songs or wanting to be an artist in general, mm-hmm. you know, we could just talk about that all night long, right? Yeah. Of why why I have this, why I do that. Um, but Bob Dylan is is one of those one of those guys that. I just, you know, if you go in my bedroom, I get Bob Dylan stuff all mm-hmm. over, posters and stuff like that, little quotes. Um, he's just one artist that I've always loved to watch. Um, in in the sense, I mean, uh, like, and I say that retrospectively, simply because I wasn't able to see, like, him at his best. Not that mm-hmm. he's not good now, but I'm saying there is an arc to an artist. Yeah. Right? And I think we all can kind of see that with, with Bobby and all the shape shifting and evolution that he did and the characters that he played. Mm-hmm. And I think that sort of was the most intriguing thing for me was how he kind of like shape shifted himself. He never stayed the same, uh, never abided by any sort set of rules. Mm-hmm. Um, and no matter the direction people expected him to go, he kind of went the other way. Yeah. Not and I don't think it was necessarily premeditated. You know, like mm, yeah. this would be a conversation w- with, you know, the man himself to be had, but not that he would ever admit to it. But he, he he's just an individual that is so intriguing. And you can't I like me personally, in my humble opinion, I couldn't help but just want to latch on and try to tap into what the hell was going on yeah. in his brain, what he was doing as an artist, and why he was doing it. Because, I mean, as, you know, the record stands, it's like, I mean, he's just achieved monumental things. You look, talk about Bob Dylan, is there, it doesn't even matter if people listen to him. Bob mm-hmm. Dylan, yeah, I know who Bob Dylan is. Yeah, everyone, yeah. You, you know what I'm saying? Um, and he was, you know, back to being an artist and figuring out why you're doing what you want to do. There was a lot of emulating and imitating uh, Bob for a while. But like I said, you know, hopefully you would agree with me on this, is that as an artist, we need to get through that. Yeah. So Bob Dylan was just another kind of step on the stairway for me to kind of, mm-hmm. okay, let's let's try to be like Bob Dylan for a little while and see what, what, see what comes out yeah. with that. But also now I look back on, on that and being like, okay, I needed to get that out of my system. It's like taking the trash out of them, mm-hmm. doing your homework, you know, like doing your homework till you get the good job, and you're like, I I get it now why my parents were were doing that to me, and now I know why I was studying. Mm-hmm. You know, I was basically studying Bob Dylan, but I wasn't only studying him. I was like, and I would say this is probably like five years ago, mm-hmm. you know, five seven years ago, uh, and I, and I still study songwriters, mm-hmm. um, but I was I was studying songwriters during. Uh, the 1960s, 61, 62, 63, all the way up till the motorcycle crash with Bob. And mm-hmm. I just studied all of the artists within that era, Dave yeah. Van Ronk, um, people of that nature, because I wanted to figure out what they were doing, why the folk movement was so popular, yeah. and really trying to understand what it is they were trying, 
what it is that what it was that they were saying yeah. and why it was kind of um, revolutionary, mm-hmm. so to speak, at yeah. the time. Totally. Um, and the biggest question I have, because um, I mean, I know Bob Dylan. I've, I know most most of what I know is like the hits and stuff like that. Right. How would you suggest someone like who's going to get into Bob Dylan where to start? He has so many albums. He's written so much music right. in his lifetime. How would you suggest someone actually get? Because I've actually <coughs> been asked this question, and my answer's been, I don't know, just right. Go uh, hard. That's that's a good question. Um, I think the proper answer for me uh, would be, you know, how well do I know the individual that I'm talking to? Uh, you know, I need to know a little bit about their musical taste. You ever met someone that really doesn't? Not that they don't enjoy music, but they don't necessarily really have a discography in their in their head of like g- great songs. Yeah, you know, my mom. You ever listen to someone that's yeah. been like, oh, I've never listened to the Beatles or Zeppelin. My mom. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you're just like, okay, well, where do you start with them? Because you know, speaking of Dylan, and um, you can say this about the Beatles, they have like something for everybody mm-hmm. yeah you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. and i like that's kind of another thing touching back on the last topic we were going on about mm-hmm. is that like dylan has something for everybody so where would i start somebody well i would start them with my personal fave and you know everybody says what's your everybody will ask you throughout your lifetime be like what's your favorite song ever um my favorite song ever is boots of spanish leather Okay. From Bob Dylan. So immediately, my answer should be, I'm going to tell the individual to listen to Boots of Spanish Leather. Now, I have a particular one. There's like a live version. And I think it's I think it's on the streaming sites now, but I think it was the Carnegie Hall show. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Yeah, I would tell them to watch, listen to that. Okay. And I'd be like, if you can, you know, because most people are like, eh, I don't like his voice. Or... Um, I don't understand what he's saying, you know, like in, in yeah. from a lyrical standpoint, it's mm-hmm. real tough for people, you know, because I think Bob Dylan fans are, uh, you know, even showing somebody a song, I think a Bob Dylan fan is either you like really all the way in with Bob Dylan and you kind mm-hmm. of really want to understand what he's doing or you kind of just like, Matt, it's Bob Dylan. I know, you know, mm-hmm. I, I get it. You know, I just, maybe it's just a too much for me. I don't know. It, it's, it's so odd because you could go from, you know, the free Wheeling is a great record. And then you can go all the way to like I just was listening to like the the live at Royal Albert Hall nineteen sixty six to where he goes like six song acoustically and then he comes out with the band and I've like put that on for people and sometimes it's just too brash for them, like whether it be the acoustic stuff, Visions of Johanna. It's it'd be like people are like, What is he even talking about? It's like I don't know. He's just going deep, Mm -hmm. you know? And then they bring out the band and sometimes that's just a bit too loud for somebody. Mm -hmm. Um, Gosh. New Morning's a great record. That's a, I mean, that's a great slow, slow jam record. Uh, What else? 80s Bob Dylan doesn't do it. Shot of Love is decent. Um, Standing in the, in the doorway, and I think he might have won a couple Grammys for this record, and mm-hmm. it's escaping my mind right now. Uh, Time Out of Mind, that's exact. That record right there was later on in Bob's career. Okay. And there's a song on there called Standing in the Doorway that, I don't know, I would I would pick out, you, you know, like talking of like characters that Bob played. What I would do essentially to answer your question, I'm really 
run around this whole question for a while, mm-hmm. but what I would do, I, was t- I would take songs from different Dylans, mm-hmm. right? Country Dylan, folk Dylan, like Rolling Stone, of course. Um, and I would take pieces and I'd be like, there's a CD. You know, people don't yeah. burn CDs anymore, but I do because I think it's very, uh, like an authentic gift to mm-hmm. people, not making playlists. I want to make you a CD figure out how to play it. I know you don't have a CD player. Um, I would take little, little little songs from each era of Dylan and then I would make them a CD and if they resisted that, I would give them a playlist or whatever, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, so you think it would actually be better to do like the greatest hits in a yeah, sense? Yeah, so to speak. I mean, it just depends. I'm, I'm in love with young Bob Dylan. Okay. Uh, you know, I just... You know, and then of course, you know, he was at the, the upward trajectory at mm-hmm. that moment you know and he was going very quick um i don't know if that's why i'm i'm kind of fatu- infatuated with that era <clears throat> but yeah blood on you know blood on the tracks good morning all that stuff's fantastic there's so much stuff out there you know uh where are you tonight gosh off street legal uh someone's got a hold of my heart Trying to think of all there's you know there's just a suitcase full of songs and when you think of a suitcase people think of it as a suitcase it's like this uh, elevator filled with songs and like mm-hmm. each floor is a different character it's a different ego and you know things are being said completely different you know every every yeah. every time around and he kind of wraps himself all the way around and comes up with. You know, especially with the with the saved stuff, he kind of went all the way around and and went that religious path, and so that would kind of completely juxtapose, juxtapose, uh, kind of remove the balance from what he was saying earlier. But I get it yeah. because that's just Dylan. He just is is constantly evolving. But then again, but that's what makes him great. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think there was an interview that he did with sixty Minutes. Not too long, uh, a while ago, and I think the question was proposed to him, like, could you write the songs like Masters of War and Hard Rain and Times Are Changing? Could you write them now? And he's like, no. And I get that. Uh, you can't continue to duplicate your work. You can rip. You can rip off yourself. You know. Mm-hmm. You you can take songs that you've written and kind of reshape them and stuff like that, but. Lyrically, I don't think anything will ever touch some of Bob's, like, first six records ever. Yeah. I, I think all the way up until Blood on the Tracks. That, and this is just me and my humble opinion. Mm-hmm. It's just, like, I don't think anything lyrically touches that ever. Maybe mm-hmm. some Zeppelin stuff. You know, and like I said, this is all open to opinion, but... And some of the things that was going on there, you know, like I have a book of his called Tarantula and it's just mm. out there. Yeah. Like way out there. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like he goes, you know, if you get into Bob and you dig deep on what he has to offer within his catalog, you know, it's not on the surface level. Like he goes deep and, mm-hmm. you know, all the way back to our conversation about the kiss guitar and why Bob Dylan, but because he has something to say, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't even think half the time he understood it, mm-hmm. you know, and and that's kind of what I 
just adore about Bob Dylan is mm. like standing up and saying something, not necessarily really in a in a protesty type thing. Mm-hmm. Like these are just thoughts going through his mind, so he jotted them down, put a couple chord progressions to them, mm. and sang it. Yeah, you know, and people kind of latched on and said like, "Oh, this is different." And and then again, in the sense of like, you know, his voice. You know, even even back then, I mean. Uh, Joan Baez was like perfection back then and she just loved what he was doing and Bob mm-hmm. Dylan couldn't be anything further removed from her she was like the petite like church going perfect you know uh, entertainer performer and then you have this this kid in New York City running around with cowboy boots on rambling through singing folk songs you know with an untuned guitar and he's, uh, you know, half singing, half yodeling, and it, and it worked. Mm-hmm. And those two kind of attracted. Of course, those that's opposites again, and that's the chaos and the chaos and the calm right there coming together, the yin and the yang type thing. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's just something special about him, man. And I hate to talk about Bob so much because, <laughs> man, you know, like I I just. He's just an inspiration for me. And going, you know, talking further before about imitating and emulating and having mm-hmm. these heroes and we hold them so high and you don't ever think that you could achieve what they do, but you have to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. And that is just one, being yourself, two, writing a song. Yeah. And that's kind of what. Totally. I love what you said about was that he still had something good to say. Because I've always, I always live with the mindset with like songwriting. It's like, when you no longer have something good to say, like in writing, right? Um, just just stop writing. It's not it's not a bad thing. It's like I've said because that's kind of what Billy Joel did. Because he someone he hasn't released an album in years, long time. Yeah, and so and then someone asked him, he's like, why haven't you written an album?" He's like, I "Said everything I needed to say." And I'm I like, think, and I respect that about him. Right. I th- I think the I think the last thing he did was with Nora Jones. Yeah. And he kind of did a little folky thing with Nora Jones, which was absolutely. And I think yeah. it actually was a bunch of cover songs um, of folk songs back yeah. in the day. But you're exactly right um, because that's the arc of the artist. Mm-hmm. And, and if you can kind of – artists are just, you know, once again, this is just me speaking. This no, is just good. kind of how I, how, I, how I perceive it. You know, I go home at the end of the day. I'm not, you know, Jackson Aid on stage. Mm-hmm. On stage is the ego. Yeah. Standing in front of people saying those things is the ego. Um, and I've always got, you know, felt like if you get to a point where you don't have anything to say or anything to write about, well, then you just need to kind of pack up your empty suitcase and go and have some adventure, mm-hmm. right? Go do some things. Yeah. Um, because we see a lot of, we see a lot of stuff, especially nowadays. And, you know, like, I don't know if you want to get into this, but, like, I have a great opinion on a lot of art nowadays, if, if if we can even call it that. You know, you turn on the radio and, you know, it's just so premeditated and so constructed, you know, from a mathematical standpoint that people aren't even writing things anymore. Mm-hmm. Nothing's being said. Um, and we've lost, you know, the vulnerability that artists kind of really let go at at mm-hmm. certain points in time throughout the history of, you know, whether it be art or poetry or painting um, or music in general. But 
Yeah, sometimes when you when you know some I think Banksy said it, sometimes it's just better to you know not say anything at all and just walk away. Yeah. A lot of artists kind of just get to a point where they just you know, people are their fans are looking at them and being like, "Eh, maybe two albums ago we should have just called that quits." Mm-hmm. You know, um not that they you know, maybe they felt that they had something to say, but it just wasn't their greatest mm-hmm. work and they just needed to get it out, whatever it may be. Who knows? I mean, it doesn't stop them from like touring when like they can still tour right. everything. It's just like don't keep making new stuff if you just don't like have anything good to write. Right, no. Um you know, and of course, going back to Bob Dylan, or even say the Beatles, like it, it's an it's an mm-hmm. evolution, mm-hmm. and you know, I hate to say it like this, but it's kind of a you know a business standpoint, and it's kind of the world we live mm-hmm. in now. Like if you look at look at a lot of businesses right now, they constantly have to keep evolving in, you know, bringing new things to the table, so to speak, mm-hmm. so people that don't get bored. Yeah. Um, and sometimes artists uh, tend to continue to do the same thing over and over, hoping that this w- will always please their audience when, you know, we all get bored from time mm-hmm. to time of the same old, same old, same old. Um, and that's a nice thing about the Beatles mm-hmm. and the Bob Dylan. Uh, a little bit Zeppelin there, which mm-hmm. is nice to see. Um, but, yeah, sometimes when when I was having – some writer's block after this last project I did. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I'd never, never really had it before. Yeah. It was, I've, uh, always kind of been able to sit down and kind of just let it go. I don't, I don't now mind yourself. Like I don't sit down to write. Um, if I have an idea, I try to expand on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't set times for writing. Um, I don't do any of that. A lot of people do that. Especially here in Nashville, a lot of a lot of writers will be like, "There is a three-hour block on a Monday through Friday that I set aside and I just sit down and write." Um, I don't do that at all. But there was a point in time where I was having writer's block, and the advice that was given to me is, "Just go out and and have some adventure. Mm-hmm. Go out and experience some things. Go get your heart broken." Um, you know, go to go get into some trouble, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever it may be. Yeah, you you know what I'm saying, because all of the experiences within the last record that I exhausted creatively and still am, you know, somewhat, yeah. so to speak. Um, you know, it is that's exactly what it is. You just exhaust this thing, and when you're getting to a point of, you know, ending a project, whether it be like the mm-hmm. last session or you're watching your track get mastered. And then you're like, all right, everybody shakes hands and like, it's done. Like, great. Mm -hmm. Like, it's deflating. Um, And what a lot of, you know, people listening aren't necessarily really artistic. That right there is deflating. But then to turn around the next day and be like, all right, we're going to, we're going to go stand on a bunch of stages here. And Mm -hmm. we're going to sing these things after kind of exhausting all of that. Um, That can be even more. Yeah. Um, exhausting, um, but then again, that can help you write. I don't, I don't know. I've had, you know, I've kind of, I've gotten over the hump. I mean, mm-hmm. of that writer's block stuff. But um, yeah, sometimes when you, uh, it's better not to say anything at all. 
you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just walk away quietly. Mm-hmm. Um, not in the sense of, like, forever, but, you know, make sure that I'm a firm believer of, you know, quality over quantity. You know, I, I could, like, be pumping out singles right now. Mm-hmm. I have songs. But, oh, totally. I feel the same way. You know, like, I have songs, but, and I could be like, all right, I can afford this. I could do a single. I, I could do a single a month and, like, continue mm-hmm. to that thing. Um, but I was like, they're just not, like, all of them mm-hmm. don't have the quality I want, mm-hmm. right? Maybe it's a half-finished song. I could kind of scrap together some lyrics for the other half and call it good. Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, I'm just like, well, then I'm just pl- I'm putting myself on. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not even putting my, my, you know, audience or listeners, so to speak, on. I'm, I'm putting myself on. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, not be- it's not even an artistic expression at this point. The whole goal is to just continue to put music out. Um, there's this... I work with this this guy and he loves this rapper and his name's Russ. And this Russ guy just pumps out the singles. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you go to the Spotify page, you just scroll down. And he's just got like 40 singles and he just every week he just pumps out a new one. Jeez. And I just started listening to him one night. Nothing against him, he's doing a lot more than I am. Um but every single one of them just kind of started sounding very similar and starting the same way and the verses were the same way and this and that. And I'm just like, well, why doesn't he just like 40 songs? Why doesn't he just take like 12 best mm-hmm. or 15 that are going to, you know, maybe hit hit on the top 40? Yeah. You know, maybe that's not his goal. I don't know what his aim is. You know, I can't speak for what he's doing. But, um, yeah, I'm a big, you know, not so much quantity. I want to mm-hmm. release, uh, especially nowadays, um stuff that i believe in and you know at the end of the day hopefully someone else mm-hmm. kind of believes oh, totally. in it believes in it too you know so um we're gonna take a break um you're actually doing a live performance the first time we've done this on the show and then uh when we get back we're gonna talk a little bit more about your music specifically and uh about you more so cool. so stay tuned everyone don't touch that dial Wildflower, oh wildflower, I 
love you performance uh what was the name of the song you just played uh wildflower wildflower um could you tell us a little bit more about that song i don't know that's always so cheesy to say yeah no uh so you know the the whole record itself kind of is uh a delineation of like two people but wildflower Mm -hmm. especially and it's the first track off the back half of the record, mm-hmm. if you if you kind of look at it from a, um, a vinyl standpoint, yeah, um, and that's exactly why it's there. That's the thinking of it. Um, the first half of the record is sort of really bombastic and right in your face, gets going immediately, and I kind of wanted to, so to speak, flip the record over and have that first track be very very intimate. Mm-hmm. So that song itself. Um, you know, it's kind of the good way to say it is, is it's kind of like wanting something you can't have. Yeah. And 
it's it's a it's a, it's a positive song in the sense because that song right there actually might be might be one of the lyrically and like just structurally and how it sounds and how it came out on the record um might be one of the best songs that I've I've ever mm-hmm. written and um I like hold it very close to me and it's like brought me to tears, brought me brought me to tears when I kind of like first wrote it, brought me to tears when I finished it, um, brought me to tears when I heard. Uh, we did a couple passes on it in the studio, and I was just playing around with my piano player at the at the time, mm-hmm. um, and he kind of came up with that. Uh, we'll call it the, like the piano hook right after the chorus, mm-hmm. and. That right there stopped me dead in my tracks. I knew we were just going to add some pads behind it. He was going to fill in the piano on the second verse. And as soon as both of those things kind of came into it, kind of like that song came full circle for me. I yeah. I, I understood the song fully and exactly mm-hmm. what it was about. And, of course, I, I'm not one to give too much away about exactly what the song is mm-hmm. um, and what it's about because I... I want somebody to figure out their own reasoning yeah. behind it and kind of being able to hold it close to themselves. I don't really like to, you know, it's like seeing the movie before reading the book type thing. Okay. Um, to where I want people to kind of be able to gravitate towards towards whether it be the record or the song um, for their own reasons. Um, it's It's definitely about something you want and you... You can't have, I, th- mm. I think, or or just, you know, life pulls you in so many directions and we never really know which way we're going at any given moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and that one was kind of me sitting someone down and that's kind of how I like wanted it to sound. If I were, you know, if someone wants to know anything about that song, it was like kind of like me sitting, this person that I was saying that to in front of me and saying like you're great Mm -hmm. and I want you to continue to be great yeah and you know you know that's all you know you know of course I love you because that's like the hook there but um you know it's it's just life drifting uh two people in different directions and those two people constantly trying to get back to that place um, and Wildflower is on the record because it, the record, and I'm sure we'll touch on that, the record kind of, that is the first step of letting go mm-hmm. within the record. Yeah. That second half of, of once you flip that record over. That's the first step of it, of letting mm-hmm. go. So... Well, that's awesome. Um, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I really like the song. Could um, so where are you from originally? You from around here? Uh, I'm not. So originally, I am from North Dakota. Okay. Uh, and I'm originally from a city slash town called Bismarck. Mm-hmm. Bismarck, Mandan. Uh, do you know of the Twin Cities in Minneapolis at all? Yeah. Saint Paul, kind of set up in the same same thing, right? Okay. Kind of Twin City type thing. But uh, on a scale of size, a lot smaller. Mm-hmm. Uh, I live in the capital of North Dakota. Okay. Uh, born and raised there. Moved away when I was, you know, 18. Came back. 
you know, went to Europe for a while. Um, I was living in Milwaukee, Chicago on, you know, on the weekends and stuff like that. So it was near like Michigan and Minnesota. Uh, Yeah, up north. Kind of Bob Dylan country, to be perfectly honest with you. Like the north country. I mean, that's where I'm from. The winters are six months a year. Mm -hmm. Um, There's not a lot going on around there. Um, Yeah, I, I just, you know, for the past seven years, I've just been playing music in this cold, harsh winters pretty mm-hmm. much you know cooking up songs yeah you went from like cold harsh winters to like burning hot summers oh, gosh, it is man. like so hot here all um, the time so my first summer here i actually got like physically sick because mm-hmm. i couldn't be outside mm-hmm. uh for extended periods of time now now i'm cool with it i've like been chilling outside all day uh mm-hmm. you know stepped down by the pool and stuff earlier today just chilled mm-hmm. on it uh but yeah, that's what a lot of people don't understand. Um, I would even say like 500 miles north from here because it's not that it doesn't get as humid, mm-hmm. and that's what that's what it was for me was the humidity oh, when I first shit. moved down here. It necessarily wasn't the heat; it was just the humidity. It was such a like a heavy blanket mm-hmm. every day, and like I I never really felt that because I like lived in in the Midwest. Milwaukee is kind mm-hmm. of you know, I'm from Kansas, so I feel you. Okay, you get it. Um, <laughs> I get it. Yeah. You know, as soon as you just come, like, down to the south, and you, we're not even really in the south, so to speak, mm-hmm. but, yeah, the humidity is definitely a really heavy blanket yeah. that you have to wear on a day-to-day basis around here, and it takes, it took me a whole year to get used to. Mm-hmm. In fact, that first year, like, summer came around, you know, it was, like, April or May, and... You know, it's like 85 degrees, 11 o'clock in the morning. Humidity's at, <sighs> humidity's at like 105%. Mm-hmm. And I'm just wishing for September. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like wanting fall immediately yeah. again. Um, but that's, all right, that's another that's another good thing is that like I, I came from, uh, I came from six months of winter. Yeah. To where, like, there's not a winter here. People, like, they say that <laughs> there's a winter. Yeah, they think it's winter. It's okay? not. It's not. Not at all. Um, and I, I like it like mm-hmm. that because you get all four seasons here. Um, and, and a nice touch of it. Like, back home, it would, it would you know, you would have winter five to six months. Your spring would pretty much be nothing because... You know, you'll still get snow in April for for whatever reason, yeah. you know. Um, and then you get the spring through May, summer, June, July, August, it starts cooling down, and then you're into fall, and it's snowing by October again. Yeah. You know, and that's kind of the routine back home. But so when I moved here, it was so nice. I've been here for three years now. But, okay. Um, it was so nice because I love the weather and I love the mm-hmm. shift of the seasons because you get like a full shift of it. We've had a rainy spring, you know. Yeah. If we could get a little bit more sunshine this year, that'd be nice. But um, yeah, you get the full swing of it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like it's not like, oh, the leaves are starting to turn and then there's two feet of snow on the ground and the trees are dead and then winter's here because mm-hmm. that's what it's like back home. Um, here it's like just a nice shift constantly. And, and I actually like enjoy it now. And I don't, I don't see myself, like, moving any further nor- north, like, <laughs> yeah. anytime soon unless, like, I have to. I, I don't mm-hmm. know. Um, yeah, I like it here a lot, man. I mean, yeah, I mean, if we could get rid of humidity, 
we just learn how to fix that, then maybe we can. Yeah, I could fix most of my just life a, life problems. Yeah, that that and like global warming. You know, we got, yeah, a, long, we just we, fix. We got a long way to go. Um, yeah, I mean the immunity's not bad, man. No, like mm. this this is the first year that I kind of have haven't been able to, mm-hmm. you know, sit outside and, and really enjoy it. Even my brother was saying the other day I live with him and. Even he was saying the other day, he's like, you're getting used to the weather, aren't you? And I was like, yeah, I love it now. It's mm-hmm. nice. Um, don't get me wrong. There, There is still days. Like today, was, it was pretty hot yeah. up today. And it was quite uncomfortable for a while. Mm-hmm. But as soon as you get, get over that and you yeah. kind of start understanding the weather patterns around here a little bit more, um, you're really, you, you don't miss the snow at all. I mean, mm. I guess that's the easiest way to say yeah. it. You know what I'm saying? So it took you like three years to get used to it? I would say you're, you know, you're two two full seasons of summer. That's okay. that's the right way to say it because mm. the fall and the winter, so to speak, quote, you know, winter, whatever they mean like that, um, that never bothered me. It was just the heat. The yeah. heat index is what is, you know, even I've had friends come down here and they like, they just haven't been able to handle it. Mm-hmm. You know, like I've had friends from Denver, uh, friends from Minneapolis, friends from back home. My parents have been here a couple of times. Um, and it is a shock because you're not ready mm-hmm. for the heat. You're like, I'll be fine. Shorts and a t-shirt. I'm, yeah. I'm cool. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, pun intended, but then they get down here and they're like, Whoa, like it's, it's pretty toasty out here and it's just like yeah you know it's eight o'clock at night we're just going out to dinner and you just flew in you wait till tomorrow when you wake up (laughs) and you've had like some adult beverages and we're gonna go out for lunch and it's gonna be 92 degrees and 100 Mm percent humidity it's like you're gonna be hating life for a little while (laughs) for your whole weekend here i know i haven't done anything like extremely outdoors for a long period of time since i moved here yeah a lot of music stuff's always indoors oh yeah i mean that's I mean, I'm a hermit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, by nature, I really am. Mm-hmm. My brother is uh, a professional fisherman. He was up at, what, 3.30 this morning. Mm-hmm. He fished all day on the water. Um, so being a musician, he's the outdoorsy. I can get out there every once in a while with him. Um, I just I don't have it in me, though. Mainly because, mm-hmm. like, well, mainly because, like, I got work to do. Mm-hmm. You know, like, this is, you know, if you want to be an artist around here or sing songs or write for other people or do that, like, this is what you want to do. Like, this is the place to do it. It never stops. Mm-hmm. And that's a good thing because, you know, you can kind of forget about what everybody else is doing on their Instagram feeds or whatever it may be. Like, I literally mm-hmm. construct all the time. Yeah. Or, or I try to. And I mean, what I mean by that is that, like, it doesn't mean that I have to have a guitar in my hand or a piano next to mm-hmm. me. Like, it's just the thought process. Or maybe I'm reading yeah. a book and something spawns an idea and I can go mm-hmm. pick up the guitar. Um, so I'm a hermit by nature, and I mm-hmm. really don't have any problem with, you know, chilling indoor for, mm-hmm. you know, 72 Say hours. introvert more? I mean... You're going with those terms? Yeah, I'm. I'm not, like... I'm not one to call myself an introvert. I just kind of like, you know, act, act how my mood is kind of combating me that mm-hmm. day, you know? Like, yeah. Uh, you know, the other day I had the day off and I just 
literally sat at home and sent out emails all day long, drank coffee out of bed type thing. Um, yeah, I mean, I think artists by, artists by nature are generally more introverted. Mm-hmm. They, I think there's two sides to artists. You know, they're mm-hmm. introverted, but if you get them going, like you like you sort of have me going right now, like yeah. you, you can, I can talk. Yeah. You know, like if you it's get me. It's probably my job to make you talk. Right. <laughs> I know. But, but, you know, what I was saying, like if you get an artist like in their element mm-hmm. or you get them on a topic that, they enjoy talking about then yeah. you, then you you can bring that out mm-hmm. that yeah. they've been kind of harboring um i also work at a coffee shop on the on the side mm-hmm. so i exhaust a lot of my hey how you doing hellos have a nice day the midwest yeah style. yeah well i'm just saying that i exhaust a lot of that throughout throughout the day mm-hmm. and so at night um i go home and for another 10 hours, I construct. Mm-hmm. And that, and you know, people are like, oh, you just must have a, a lot of songs. Well, it's just don't sit down and write songs. You just don't sit down and build tracks. Yeah. Like you have to come up with the ideas. So that takes time. And if you're kind of distracting yourself with other things going on around in the city, you know, uh, you're going to find yourself kind of. Um, missed missed opportunities for yeah. ideas. Mm-hmm. Oh, totally. you know what I'm saying. So I I tend to I tend to lean really hard against the, the introvert thing. Not because mm-hmm. I nec- yeah necessarily I don't think that I am and I'm not. Like I enjoy being social, but mm-hmm. at the same time, if there's an idea in my mm-hmm. brain, I need to exhaust it. And as soon as I exhaust that idea, whether it be like a full track is built. Yeah. Or a song is built on the acoustic guitar. Mm-hmm. I can go out, and I yeah. can go have fun. Yeah. Um. That that's just that's that's my rule right now. That that really is one of mm-hmm. my like my number one rules. Um. Ever since I moved out here, is that I kind of concentrate on exactly what I'm what I'm doing here. Yeah. And and that's being an artist in general. Um. Everything else kind of comes second. Um. Mm-hmm. And that may sound selfish, but. Uh, it does sound selfish, but you mm-hmm. have to be selfish if you're trying to achieve something. Um, and you can't be uh, kind of harbored by distractions mm-hmm. to, to, get, mm-hmm. to get those points, you know. Um, if you want to bring out the best in you, you have to make sure that you take all the garbage out because that's the only way you're going to get to the, the bottom of it. And what's at the bottom is the best stuff ever. It's like the core of your soul. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I spend a lot of time really, um, you know, digging through the stuff, Yeah. getting, taking the trash out, you know, getting the songs that necessarily really aren't that good or taking an idea that isn't that good and maybe hanging on to it and then using it for another song. Yeah. Um, because you know, I would, this is just how I process it in my mind. If I don't get to that idea I never get to the idea that becomes a song, mm-hmm. right? If I have two ideas and I use the other idea for a song, that becomes great. Um, like there's a part in the track Maria, mm-hmm. and the lyric is, um, what is it? And we will blossom like flowers in the summertime. That was a completely different song. And it's funny because that song came before Maria came. And so I had that idea, 
And I had that little lyrical thing, but I had a whole song built around that. But that was just kind of like a refrain there. Mm-hmm. And then Maria came, and I kind of needed this weird bridge thing that turned into kind of a refrain, went into a solo. <laughs> and um, that was just perfect. Yeah. And so going back to my point of saying, like, if I don't come up with that idea, then I never get, I never get, Maria, mm-hmm. or I don't get any other track that I'm, re- you know, at the bottom of the barrel, really, yeah. ser- really searching for. Um, because if you give up on that first idea, you're just like, oh, that's no good, or I'll come, you know, I'll worry about that later. I'm not going to jot it down. Then you go out and you fill your evening with distractions, or you necessarily really don't mm-hmm. care about your craft or whatever it may be. Then you never get to that point, and then you'll always sit- be sitting here wondering why in the hell do I not have any good songs? You know, <laughs> yeah. like, why why, why don't I have any substance? Or, you know, why aren't people really, you know, tapping into what I'm doing or, mm. wh- or whatever it may be? You know, that's just k- kind of how I think about like, it. Why do all my songs suck? But I think about that, but in a different way. <laughs> just more like the self-doubt of it all. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean... I think Mayer said something. John Mayer said something. This like every every musician has like, you know, they're they're like magicians. Like, play play us another song, one more song, mm-hmm. and they'll be like, oh, I don't know any more songs. And he like made the joke one time of saying that like every musician has like five songs behind their back, like a card trick, right? Just mm-hmm. holding on to it, but they don't want to show you. But they're gonna tell you that they don't have it, so they leave you in some sort of uh, mystique or mysteria. Yeah. <coughs> leave you wanting more and that's the goal mm-hmm. yeah I don't know man I could I could talk all day about the <laughs> process but totally uh, when did you start playing music what age okay so my earliest earliest memory of music would be <coughs> um, uh, choir and piano lessons choir was definitely a thing and then piano lessons was another thing that my my mother uh put me through and i hated it mm-hmm. I hated piano lessons i didn't want to do it but I, I was in you know i was i was a kid you're involved in like seven other extracurricular activities at the media moment mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying like you're playing baseball on the weekends with your boys and you know just being a kid mm-hmm. so you had all this stuff going on and i didn't want to do piano and I remember like doing the choir stuff and playing piano, and then I completely um, <coughs> dislocated from the piano, and I stopped playing it all together, and I forgot how to play it. Um, and then I was 17 or 18 years old, college, I was 18, seven, yeah, Freddie Freddie Lopez had a, had an acoustic guitar, Taylor, Black Johnny Cash style, and he taught me how to play a Metallica song on it. <laughs> that's you know that's it. And now I'm talking to you here in Nashville. <laughs> that's all you had to I mean me. I mean that's that's the gist of it. Mm-hmm. You know that goes back to what we were talking about before. You know, how long you've been playing music for is the question. Well. You know, kind of forever in my head, man. You know, like I I did a did an interview with a guy, and he's I think the the question was kind of proposed like that, but mm-hmm. in a different 
he worded it differently. And I, he's like, so how did, or how did you get your start in music? And I thought that was odd because it's like, well, how did I get my start in music? You know, was it the Bob Seger mm -hmm. records my dad was playing when I was mm -hmm. a kid? You know, was it, was it that? Was it the Rod Stewart that my mom was singing to me in the van on the ride home? Mm -hmm. um, who knows? Just, you know, all, there's certain moments and I remember the, the 18 year old black Johnny Cash Taylor guitar, uh, like gloss black. And, um, I think the guy's name is Freddie Lopez. I could be wrong with that, but I feel like that's a, that's like some guy out of a movie or something, mm -hmm. but nonetheless, he showed me how to play a Metallica song and I ran back home and I showed my girlfriend at the time and she was wondering how in the hell I learned that. And then it started it just started going through stages of mm -hmm. it stages of imitating and emulating and you know like we were speaking about before was you have to get through that mm -hmm. until you find your voice and uh i came out here it's funny because i had a you know i came out to nashville to do a record but the record i came out here to do wasn't the one that is out there mm -hmm. was there was a whole different record but that was that i don't see that as me that one that's kind of stuck you know in the in the safe so to speak this one came out of me mm -hmm. when i was planning to come out here this this last project i wrote all the songs mm -hmm. for it before i even got out here i didn't even have time to really like demo them out yeah like i just came here with songs and i remember sitting in front of my producer who was just you know the songs wouldn't be like what they are without him. He was just had such a creative mind with them, mm -hmm. and he knew exactly where I where I wanted to go. Well, one because he had never heard the songs that are actually on the record. He thought we were going to continue to do the folk stuff, and I came out here and said, "I got some new songs." He, I was like, "You want to hear one?" And I was like, "I think this might be like the first track on the record," and I played him "Queen of Hearts, King of Spades," and um, and he loved it, and so. It's kind of cool to see that, like, where I started on the acoustic guitar, whether it be playing the Metallica song, mm -hmm. just kind of organically how it came to be where I found my voice, like, truly mm -hmm. found my voice, because I didn't think the stuff I was doing before was necessarily me. It was just more imitation and emulating mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah. Well, totally, totally, totally. I think we are actually uh, about to wrap up this episode. Cool. So let's just say, where can we find all your stuff on the interwebs? Um, yeah, on the interwebs, of course, it's 2018, and I'm on all of the social media platforms, uh, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter. I think it's uh, Jackson Aid, A-I-D-E, on Facebook, Jackson uh, underscore aid and Jackson underscore aid Instagram and Twitter. My website's just uh, jacksonaid.com, A-I-D-E again. Um, yeah, I'm on Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes. You know, just, it's, uh, I, I always say this. Uh, we live in such a weird art world because no one wants to buy it anymore. And I grew up buying CDs. I remember having to go to the store, but I just, if I were to ask anything, just like, if you like the record, like go out and support artists. I'm not even speaking of myself. Like just mm -hmm. go out and support artists. Like go out and buy them a meal at their show or pick up their record. If you, 
if if you can't go see him out in a play, uh, because we live in a world to where artists are starving right now, and uh, the only people that are really kind of reaping the benefits, you know, and it sounds weird. There's people reaping the benefits of artists starving, mm-hmm. and it shouldn't be that way, um, because there's so much talent that is getting thrown under the rug, and all the other stuff is the stuff you're hearing on the radio, there's people out there that are like really doing it. Um, and that's cool to see. And I want art to kind of be, I want art to be, uh, sort of a revolutionary movement at the Mm -hmm. immediate moment. I think we need more art than ever. Uh, so yeah, go check out the record. Uh, it's free, Uh, but if you love it, um, not even my record, just make sure you support the artist fully. Because they and they deserve it. There's a lot of time put into everything that happens within a project. Awesome. Well, thank you so much nope. for coming on. It was a fun chat. Thank you. Um, it, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Like and subscribe. Like always, smash that like button. And uh, you can check out more of me at samshuagomusic.com and more shows like this one at shuaymedia.com. And like always, stay awesome.